You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. The podcast in the Super America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast presented. By Betfred Sportsbook, it is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day, and I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun midweek edition of the Aerotaurus Pod. We are going to bounce around quite a bit on today's show. We will open. I had somebody to say, Torres, you can talk NFL. No one's going to bite you. You're not gonna, Nobody's going to get hurt. Just talk a little NFL. Well, after Monday night, Tom Brady, Dallas Cowboys. I have one thought on Brady himself. I think everybody's asking the wrong question on Tom Brady. We'll discuss that. From there, we will get to the big story in college football. Jim Harbaugh is back. But again, I think people were asking the wrong question. I explain why I think this year might be Jim Harbaugh's last dance, last go around at Michigan. I do believe he will end up back in the NFL, maybe as early as next year. And we will wrap with a fun, loaded Tuesday uh, you know, Tuesday, busy night in college hoops. We'll just talk about some of the stuff that happened across the board in college hoops on Tuesday, fun show, loaded show. So let's get into it. There is no more time to waste. And with that said, let's get to the topic of the day and the topic of the day. I'll tell you this. We had a great, great, great weekend of NFL football. And as I just said a minute ago, I had a lot of you reach out and say, Torres, it's okay to talk NFL. It's the biggest story in sports right now. We're all watching. You can talk NFL. We will listen. And what I would say to that is, well, you're going to get a little NFL right now. But what was interesting about the NFL, it was a great weekend of games. A lot of really entertaining games. As I said on Monday's show, I was on air on Fox Sports Radio for that Jaguars-Chargers game. L.A., Jacksonville, Brandon Staley, what are you doing? Whatever. Um Giants, Vikings, really good. I'm trying to think of the other games. Baltimore, Cincinnati, really good. But one game that was not very good that I do want to talk about right now, it was Monday night, Tampa Bay hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas came in as a slight two-and-a-half-point favorite of the Betfred Sportsbook, and it was a bloodbath. Final score, Dallas 31, Tampa 14. And if we're being perfectly honest, it wasn't even that close, right? 
Dallas, of course, missed four extra points in that game. Uh, Tampa had zero points or uh, zero points at halftime. They had six after the third quarter, and they didn't score that final touchdown until right around the two-minute warning. So essentially, until there was about three minutes left in the game, Dallas was up 31-6. to It was not competitive. So first of all, credit Dallas Cowboys. Listen, I don't think it's some harbinger of some things to come. It was, Oh my God, they're going to go on a run. Listen, Cowboys fans, I don't mean to be a jerk. I'm just being real. And you got to go to San Francisco, basically on two days less prep. You got to go there, play on Sunday. San Francisco, of course, played early Saturday. You play Monday night. So it's going to be a challenge. But I, I don't really want to talk about Dallas. Congrats to you guys. I'm not here to criticize. Enjoy this moment. An incredible stat that absolutely blew my mind. How about this? This was Dallas's first road playoff win since 1992. That sounds made up 1992, 31 years. In other words, if they go another 31 years till the next one, it's going to be 2054 the next time they win a road playoff game. So I'm already off tangent. I'm already off topic. But to me, the story isn't with the Cowboys. Great win. I don't think Tampa Bay is very good. And so with it, what I want to do is actually talk about what I think is the much more interesting angle. It's the Tampa Bay Bucks, And more specifically, it is Tom Brady. Because the second that the season ended for Tampa, it appears for all intents and purposes, right? The curtain has fallen on Tom Brady's time with the organization. Um, you know, he made some comments at the post game about thanking everybody and thanking the organization. It felt like a goodbye, almost like a graduation speech, right? You know, I want to thank my this. I want to thank my that. I want to da 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 I'm out. And so with the Tom Brady news, I, I think we kind of have to accept. Monday night was probably the last time we see him in a Bucks uniform. And I think what became interesting was it immediately became, and I think most of the second half of this season, when it was clear Tampa Bay wasn't very good, most of the second half of the season became, well, where is Tom Brady going to play in 2023? Not coming back to Tampa. Nobody really thinks he's retiring. And so the question becomes, is he going to Miami? Is he going to Vegas to reunite with Josh Daniels? Is he going to San Francisco? Could Tennessee get in the mix? Is there a wild card like Tampa the last time around that we're not talking about? And so that was a lot of the conversation. But to me, I actually think people were asking the wrong question on Tom Brady. Not where will Tom Brady end up? That's what everybody's asking. I think it's the wrong question. Here's what I think people should be asking. And I'm amazed that I feel like I'm the only one that's even asking this. The question isn't where is Tom Brady going to end up? To me, the question is, at this point, 46 years old, coming off the worst year of his career, should anybody actually want this guy? So let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Because I, I, I'm i blown away that the whole narrative is, well, he's got to go here. He's got to go there. And I'm like, I don't really know that I'd want him. First off, I get it. He's the GOAT. Best to ever do it. Played late into his 40s. Won the title in Tampa. Never going to take that away from him. But at the same time, what we have to call, what we have to be honest about, what we have to call a spade a spade. This year was his the worst year of his career, I would argue, bar none. First of all, there's the 8-9 and nine record overall. We all know it was by far the worst record that he has ever had as an NFL quarterback. We get that. That is not new news. But beyond that, I don't think people realize, like, the stats across the board weren't very good. Now, people are going to try to skew the stats in a certain way because he threw more passes this year than he has ever thrown before. But despite throwing more passes than he has ever thrown before, here are the facts. 
this year, despite throwing more passes than last year, he threw like 700, he threw for like 700 less yards this season. On top of that, 25 touchdowns in 17 games. That was his fewest touchdowns out, outside of the one year, his final year in, um, outside of his final year in, uh, in New England. That was the fewest touchdowns that he has thrown since the year he got injured in 2008. So his final year in New England, it was a disaster. He had no weapons, whatever. This year he had Mike Evans. This year he had Chris Godwin. I know some of the guys were hurt, but the bottom line is he had dudes in Tampa, fewest touchdown passes. Uh, The only time he's had fewer touchdown passes, I should say, final year in New England since 2008. Beyond that, and this stat sort of blew me away, but sort of didn't. Average 6.4 yards per completion this year. That is his fewest since the 2002 season. And so when I look at Tom Brady, he is clearly, this was the worst year of his career by far, which shouldn't be surprising. He's 45 years old, going to be 46. And so I don't understand this idea that we have to find a landing spot for him. Now, I know some of the the variable. There were a lot of variables working against him besides his age. He obviously had a lot of personal issues. We talked about them back in September. We probably talked a little more NFL to start the season. I get that outside of that, there was a coaching change that Bruce Arians, even if he didn't get along with Bruce Arians, was probably better suited for his personality, offensive coach, as opposed to defensive coach Todd Bowles. Talented you know, players around him, but there were injuries. Gronk was gone. O-line was this. There was a lot going on behind the scenes that led Tom Brady to regressing. But the bottom line is he still did regress in a big way. And to me, that's where I get confused about this idea that we have to find a landing spot for him. Because right now, Tom Brady at this point in his career, here is exactly who he is. He is what I would describe. Now, he's mentally smarter than, than anybody in the sport, maybe. But at this point, what he is realistically is he's like a third-tier quarterback that needs basically perfect ideal conditions to have any level of real success, right? I was thinking about this before I I started the show today. If we had to tier the quarterbacks in the NFL, and I'm not going to go through all of them, it's kind of boring, everybody does it. But Tom Brady's obviously a mile from the elite of the elite. You watch Josh Allen, he looks like a different species of human being than Tom Brady. Patrick Mahomes, much the same. Lamar Jackson, much the same. All different ways, but they all look way different. Joe Burrow is elite. Justin Herbert, there's questions about him, but the arm talent is there. Trevor Lawrence is starting to get to that upper category. But even if you take out those guys, those elite guys, think about the second tier guys that you'd probably take over Tom Brady at this point. Got to take Dak over Tom Brady. We just saw what they did head to head. Got to take, take, I'd take Jalen Hurts in a heartbeat over Tom Brady. I'd take Daniel Jones, the way that Daniel Jones looked the other day against the Vikings over Tom Brady. I'd take, I think Kirk Cousins has more natural talent right now than Tom Brady does. Tom Brady is the more mentally sharp guy. You trust him in big spots, but Kirk Cousins looks way younger, way fresher, way more mobile. You go on and on down the list. Think about all the quarterbacks I haven't even mentioned. Aaron Rodgers, you'd obviously take over Tom Brady right now from a physical skill point, still skill standpoint. Let me ask you a question. Could Tom Brady have done better with the Detroit Lions than Jared Goff did this year? I don't think he could have. Matthew Stafford, I know he's hurt. If Matthew Stafford, if that elbow's okay, you're taking Matthew Stafford. So I could go on down the list forever, 
But it doesn't change the fact that, in my opinion, this guy needs a perfect setup to have any level of success. And so when I look at the available spots, Vegas, to me, is a a complete no-go. I know Josh McDaniels. They work together. They, you know, McDaniels coached him forever. You got Devontae Adams and a big mess. And I know Josh Jacobs is pretty good, too. Vegas is a million years away from being competitive. Miami, I guess you have the two elite wide receivers, but I don't know. If I have any level of trust that Tua is somewhat healthy, I'd take Tua over Tom Brady. Now, you can argue, you can argue that we can never trust Tua. It's no disrespect. It's just a fact. Multiple concussions this year, injuries in college, injuries in his previous NFL years. But is Tua healthy? Any better than Tom Brady? Any worse than Tom Brady? I think they're about the same. San Francisco, I'll take it a step further. San Francisco might make the most sense. Brady's from the Bay Area. But you're throwing him into a tough division, tough spot, cold weather in San Francisco, windy weather with that weak arm. And I'm just going to say it. Is Tom Brady better than Brock Purdy? Not from what I've seen, not over the last eight weeks. Now, again, you take Tom Brady over the totality of his career. But if you got to win games next year, We sure Brady's better than Brock Purdy? I don't know. So to me, it's going to be interesting what happens from here. But I I, I do think, and I keep going back to it, I think we're asking the wrong question on Tom Brady. To me, the question isn't who's going to get him, but who should realistically want him. I think he's a lot more limited than people are discussing. I think there's a lot more questions around him than people realize. By the way, I didn't even mention this earlier. I didn't really love the attitude. I thought he kind of copped an attitude with a lot of people. Kind of was like that old grumpy guy that's just mad because he's sore and angry and wait. Like, point I'm trying to make. Just going to say it. And maybe in a year I'm proven wrong because Tom Brady, I think, is going to play next year. This feels like, uh, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon with the Raptors or Patrick Ewing with the Seattle Supersonics or, you know, to a degree, MJ with the Wizards. I think even MJ with the Wizards had more in his tank than Tom Brady does right now. So congrats to the Cowboys, but I got major questions on Tom Brady. And I'll tell you this, we'll keep talking NFL as things go on. No reason not to. It is a fun time of year. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. We're going to hit on another NFL topic because our boy Jim Harbaugh, he's back in the news and he's coming back to Michigan. But much like Tom Brady, I think we're asking the wrong question on Jim Harbaugh and we're going to discuss that next. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,600 shops in the UK have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. And what I love about working with Betfred, nobody does more for their customers than Betfred does, okay? I've told you before, but I'm going to keep telling you. Cincinnati Bengals games, that Betfred suite is rocking. They had a New Year's Eve into New Year's Day party for the launch of sports betting in the state of Ohio. Shout out to all of you who were there. Obviously, beyond that, there is the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. We have sent listeners of this show to those tailgates. Colorado Rockies, first pitch at those games. Betfred does more for their customers than anybody, and here is what they are doing. For listeners of the Aaron Torres podcast, okay, it's what you got to do. Bet 50 on any game and new users, how about this, get up to $1,000 in free bets. There are no catches. There are no gimmicks. Here's what you need to know. 
Bet 50 on any game, you get automatically $111 in free bets. But beyond that, you get $200 insurance on your first five weeks as a Betfred customer. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bet this big game, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. You end up losing it. They're going to insure you for that game. So up to five weeks, up to $200, plus $111 for signing up for Betfred today. You're going to want to do it. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Torres sent you. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, the Betfred Sportsbook. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears, but I do want to stay with football, with a big topic, with a major topic, as a matter of fact, that's kind of the bridge between the NFL and college football. Not sure how closely you've been paying attention, but over the last probably three weeks, there has been one guy whose name has been linked with basically every job that is open, period, end of story. And that's our old buddy, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan. Oh, the rumors, they flowed like water through a river over the last month. Okay, bad analogy, but you get the point. He spoke with the Charlotte uh, Carolina Panthers. He interviewed with the Denver Broncos. He has ties to the Indianapolis Colts. Could the Houston Texans be interested? Who knows? I bring it all up to say the conversation has gone on for about two, three weeks since Michigan lost in the college football playoff. But I just want everybody driving now to take a deep breath because I have good news for you guys and girls. The long national nightmare is over. That is right. On Monday afternoon, Martin Luther King Day, shortly after we recorded the Monday Aaron Torres pod, we got clarification and notification from both the Michigan president and from Jim Harbaugh himself that he is coming back. This one, by the way, does feel official. Uh, Statements from both sides. I want to read each of them to you because I think they're interesting. First, from the Michigan school president. His name is Santa Ono, okay? He said, I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh. And Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain as the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. That is fantastic news that I've communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel. Hashtag go blue. A few minutes later, Jim Harbaugh releases his own statement. He says, I love the relationships that I have at Michigan. Coaches, staff, families, administration, President Santa Ono, and especially the players and their families. My heart is at Michigan. I once heard a wise man say, don't try to out happy, happy, go blue. So again, it does feel like for the winter of 2023, 
the Harbaugh rumors are officially over and he will be the Michigan football coach in 2023, at least for one more season. I bring it up to say I got a lot of thoughts, but what I will also say is there is really not one, but two things that make me think that we're actually going to have more Harbaugh rumors after next season. And then I really actually, there, there, were, there were two things that struck me about this week that make me believe that this really might be Jim Harbaugh's last season at Michigan. But you know what? We'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, though, let's just celebrate this. Jim Harbaugh is, in fact, we know, coming back to, to Michigan for at least one more year. And I'll be honest, I think it's a great thing for college football. Harbaugh, like him, hate him, whatever. He's a huge brand. Michigan is a huge brand. It's good for college football when Michigan is good. And it's good for college football when Jim Harbaugh is the coach of Michigan. So I think, uh, you know, if we take nothing else out of this, let's just enjoy Harbaugh for the next season. And I'll say this too. I actually do give Harbaugh credit because I think while only he can decide what is best for him, this feels like the right move at this moment for Jim Harbaugh. Now, again, Jim Harbaugh doesn't really care what Aaron Torres has to say. Jim Harbaugh doesn't know who I, it doesn't matter what I think. But when I look at the situation at Michigan, this felt like actually the worst possible time for Jim Harbaugh to leave Michigan. Not because he beat Ohio State for a second straight year. Not because he won the Big Ten for a second straight year. Not because he went to the college football playoff for a second straight year. The reason that this offseason, 2022 into 2023, made no sense is because 2023 is on paper, bar none, the best team that he will have had at Michigan with the best quarterback that he's had at Michigan. So it's crazy to me. Just think about if Harbaugh had left right now for nine years. We have been waiting. We've been saying Jim Harbaugh was this QB whisperer forever. And he could never find a quarterback in Michigan. He went through transfers, freshmen, this, that. Could never find the guy. Fast forward, he has his guy with J.J. McCarthy. You can like J.J. McCarthy, dislike him, say he cost Michigan in the, the game against TCU. The bottom line is J.J. McCarthy also won them the Ohio State game. And so you look at this Michigan roster that is coming back. Why it made sense for Jim Harbaugh to come back for this specific season. It wasn't because you just won the Big Ten again. It was because you own Ohio State for the last two years. It's because look at the roster that is coming back. J.J. McCarthy is the best quarterback that he's had. Blake Corum announced this week he's coming back alongside Donovan Edwards, two elite running backs. Your, your second leading wide receiver, Cornelius Johnson, announced on Monday after Harbaugh announced he's coming back. Cornelius Johnson announced that he is coming back for another year as well. You killed it in the portal. You already added four or five guys that could be day one starters next year, including a linebacker from Nebraska that many people think was maybe the best defensive player that entered the portal all offseason, a couple offensive linemen who could start for you. This team is loaded, and when you look at all of the surrounding parts, this is going to be Jim Harbaugh's best chance to win a national championship at Michigan, not only so far, but maybe ever going forward. Now, to be clear, that's not a knock on anybody else, and it's not to say that Georgia isn't or shouldn't be the favorite coming into next year. Just so there's no confusion, Georgia should be the favorite because even without Stetson Bennett, and we've talked about this, they return a ton of talent. They return, especially on the defensive side of the football, some real elite difference makers. Most of their defense was actually freshmen and sophomores this year. So Georgia should be the favorite. But you get past Georgia, look around. Alabama very likely is going to have new two, two new coordinators as well as a new starting quarterback. We saw Jalen Milrow this year. 
I don't know if Jalen Milrow is the answer from Alabama at quarterback, meaning either they're going to play Ty Simpson, who basically has no meaningful snaps at, at quarterback, or they're going to have to go in the portal and find somebody. Ohio State will be breaking in a new quarterback. Kyle McCord, we think he's good. We don't know, though. C.J. Stroud announced he's going to the NFL. Penn State, we think that Drew Allaire, the backup this year, is better than Sean Clifford, the six-year senior that just departed, but we don't know. And so you look at how things are shaping up for Michigan next year, and I'll just tell you, Ohio State's got a new quarterback. Penn State's got a new quarterback. Georgia's got a new quarterback. Alabama's got a new quarterback and two new coordinators. Guess what? It is never going to look better on paper going into a season for Michigan. Oh, by the way, out-of-conference schedule is once again a total joke, and that's okay. It happens. We talked about this before. There's a reason the schedule is set up this way. They were supposed to have a home-and-home with UCLA. It got canceled. Well, now, here's your schedule. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green at home, Rutgers in week four at home. Your first four games are at home. Then you go to Nebraska, to, to Minnesota. But again, you get Ohio State at home. The two the two marquee programs in your conference have a new quarterback. I'll say this, Wisconsin, I think, is going to be interesting next year. You don't play Wisconsin. So I could go on and on. But it's never going to line up nicer for Jim Harbaugh to make a real run at a title than it will next year. At the same time, and I know this is a day for celebration, there were two things that kind of came out over the last couple days that made me feel like this really might be it for Jim Harbaugh. This really might be, to use a bad pun, this might be Jim Harbaugh's last dance in 2023. And I know it's speculation, but call it informed speculation kind of mixed with kind of reading tea leaves. One, it seems pretty clear to me that Jim Harbaugh essentially has no relationship with his AD Ward manual, okay? Because let's let's go back and, and reread the statement from the school president, Santa Ono, who, of course, set up this uh, set up this contract extension with Jim Harbaugh. Santa Ono, in announcing Jim Harbaugh is coming back, this was his quote. I just got off the phone with Coach Harbaugh, and Jim shared with me the great news that he is going to remain the head coach, uh, the, the, remain the head coach of, of the Michigan Wolverines. That is fantastic news that I have communicated to our athletic director, Ward Manuel. That I've communicated to our. So, in other words, if we're reading the tea leaves right and the rumors, and, and, and I, I've spoken to some people kind of that know some stuff that's going on at Michigan, this feels very much like a John Calipari, Mitch Barnhart situation. We talked about that last week. John Calipari and his AD are essentially not on speaking terms. My understanding is that Jim Harbaugh and his AD essentially are not on speaking terms either. Does it have to do with how things happen during that COVID year? Does it have to do with the pay reduction? Does it have to do with Ward Manuel demanding he make staff changes? I don't know, but what I do know is that after back-to-back Big Ten titles, Jim Harbaugh has all the leverage, and right now it does not feel like he is in a very good place with his AD. And so I was thinking about this when I saw this announcement. But remember when Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan? And kind of like the, the the sentiment was, the sentiment was when he got to Michigan, well, you know, he'll be there four or five years, get this thing cleaned up and leave. Because everybody always says, Harbaugh's tough to work with, man. Harbaugh wears on people. Harbaugh, after three, four, five years, you want him out. He wants to be out. And so you look at Ward Manuel now in year seven with Jim Harbaugh. And I do wonder, not a very good relationship, clearly, is that a sign of things potentially to come? And I understand if it really came down to Harbaugh versus the AD and Harbaugh's winning, they'd get rid of the AD. But to me, that's sign one. That's sign one 
that maybe Harbaugh isn't really built for the long term at Michigan. Two, and this is important as well. I was thinking about this and the process last year. If you remember, and we talked about it, but Jim Harbaugh went through the interview process with a number of different places in the NFL at this time last year as he really thought about his future in college football versus the NFL. You know, he was linked to the Bears. He was linked to the Raiders. And we know that he went to Minnesota and interviewed with the Vikings on National Signing Day. And what stood out to me was that when Jim Harbaugh came back, when he announced he was coming back, he went through the process with the Vikings. The rumor was that he thought he was going to get an offer. The Vikings never gave him an offer, and he kind of had to come back with his tail between his legs. But why I bring it up is because shortly after that process, Jim Harbaugh kind of in passing, he referenced that he planned after the Minnesota thing, he, he had an NFL itch, he scratched it, and that he planned on being at Michigan for the very foreseeable future. I looked up the quote. This was from March 9th. He said, ultimately, this was March 9th, 2022, last year after he interviewed with at least one NFL team, did not get the job, and was linked to many others. Jim Harbaugh said, ultimately, I decided this is where I want to be. And I'm, I have a lot of gratitude for that. And then there was no direct quote, but you read multiple articles. You can find them yourself. March 9th, 2022. He insinuated that he planned to retire at Michigan. Do you notice how he said no such thing in his statement that he was coming back on Monday? All he said was that he's ha- I have relationships at Michigan. My heart is at Michigan. I once heard a wise man say, don't try to out happy, happy, go blue. And so all of this is adding up to me that this very well could be Jim Harbaugh's last year. And if it is, that's okay. Let's enjoy it. Let's appreciate it. But also the other variable that I think is important to note here is one more thing. And then I promise we'll get to some hoops. Um, The other thing that stands out to me, and I talked about it a few weeks ago when Harbaugh, this whole process first started. If you remember what I said was, it seemed clear to me that Harbaugh wasn't waiting for a great job to get back in the NFL, that he wants back in, he wants to win a Super Bowl, whatever. And so we know that he spoke with the Broncos. We know that he at least spoke with the Carolina Panthers. It seemed very informal. He did interview, I should mention, with the Broncos in addition to speaking with them. And so I only bring it up because if Harbaugh was seriously considering the Broncos, if he was seriously considering the Panthers, if he was seriously considering the Texans, those aren't very good jobs. Like, this is not getting the Bengals job with 10 more years of Joe Burrow or the Bills job with, 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 with Josh Allen. These are pretty below average jobs. I guess the Broncos is okay if you think Russell Wilson can be rehabilitated, at least his talent. And so I keep going back to if Jim Harbaugh wants to go back to the NFL for a mediocre job, then guess what? There's going to be mediocre jobs open next year as well. So something to think about, something to consider, something for us to continue to discuss into next year. We'll certainly talk about it in the fall. When Michigan season ends, I guarantee you within 48 hours, there's going to be Harbaugh rumors. It'll be interesting. But Jim Harbaugh is back for at least one more year. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. But I want to wrap with some of the Tuesday night games in college hoops. Now, I'll tell you straight up. This wasn't like a super marquee, you know, 10 games that you had to watch kind of Tuesday in college basketball. But we got, I thought, one of the best nights of college hoops that we've had so far. One classic game that I think might have been the game of the year. And one performance, which I think might have been the performance of the year. So let's start with the game of the year. And let's start in a place that I don't know that I've ever started a segment on the Aaron Torres podcast. And that is Manhattan, Kansas. The Little Apple. Where Kansas State ranked in the top 15. They are having an incredible season under first-year head coach Jerome Tang. They came into this game 15-2 and two overall, 5-1 and one in the Big 12, but they were coming off their first loss in Big 12 play. Well, no problem at all in the Little Apple because Kansas State takes care of Kansas, number two ranked Kansas, only one loss the entire season. Kansas State beats them 83-82 in overtime. And before we even get to this game, let me say this about Jerome Tang, the new Kansas State basketball coach. For people who don't remember, Bruce Weber was the Kansas State coach. He gets, I think he technically resigned at the end of last year, but he gets replaced by Jerome Tang, the longtime assistant coach at Baylor. Was the assistant coach forever, was waiting for the right opportunity. He finds it in Kansas State, and they were off to this great start, and Kansas State has been incredible this year. They won at Texas. They already have a very, very, very impressive resume. But I'll tell you this, something really stood out to me about Jerome Tang, the head coach, and it was something that he said before this game. Uh, Zach Kroll, who writes for me at AaronTorresOnline.com, he hosts the College Hoops Daily podcast. So Zach sent me a clip of Jerome Tang, the Kansas State coach, before this game on Tuesday, his Monday press conference availability. And basically what Jerome Tang said was like, look, I'm new here. I understand that this is a very hostile rivalry. He's like, but I want this building packed. I want this place ready to go. And I want you cheering at the top of your lungs, not because you hate that other team that's walking in the building, but because you love this program, because you love what we're about, because you love what we're building here at Kansas State. And me and Zach were texting back and forth on this. By the way, Zach, uh, you know, doing a great job on the College Hoops Daily podcast. Uh, Jamie and Christian, who's going to join me on Friday, Uh, He has been uh, contributing with Zach as well. And so I bring it up strictly to say that what I said to Zach was when Jerome Tang said that, when he said, come in here and be loud, not because you hate the other team, but, but because you love us. What that said to me was this. 
Jerome Tang is trying to build a championship culture at Kansas State. Jerome Tang is basically saying to his fan base, listen, to Kansas, to that other school across the state, we are just another game on the schedule on their way to trying to win the Big 12, and I want you to treat them the exact same way. And so I bring it up because we got an instant classic Tuesday night in Manhattan, Kansas. I would argue it was the best game of the year. Like I said, Kansas State wins 83-82 in overtime. Couple no- storylines in this game. First of all, best. First of all, I think Kansas State right now is the best story in college basketball, bar none. Sorry, everybody else is playing for second place as we speak. This is a team that last year in the Big Twelve under Bruce Weber, and listen, Bruce Weber's a good guy. I've talked to him before. He seems like a great guy. Never disre- I'm not disrespecting him, but this was a program that was basically left for dead. They finished ninth in the Big Twelve. 6-12 and 12 in Big 12 play. With this win, they improve to 6-1 and one in Big 12 play overall. Beyond that, what also stood out to me, Keontae Johnson as a player may be the best story in all of college basketball. This was a kid, remember, never forget, he was the guy at Florida a few years ago that in a near tragic incident collapsed on the court. We didn't know if he'd ever play again. Florida wouldn't clear him. He comes to Kansas State. Now he and his teammate, uh, Marquise Noel, are both playing at like at an all-Big 12 level. Keontae Johnson, after not playing college basketball for two years, is averaging 18 points and seven rebounds per game. He is a guy that, in this game, was the best player for Kansas State. 24 points, eight rebounds, two steals, two assists in this game. And what I love about Kansas State, It's just a group of dudes that plays hard, that plays together, that was put together by this new head coach, Jerome Tang. Should mention, by the way, Desi Sills, a name many of you may remember. 24 points off the bench. If you don't remember the name or if you do, he played on Arkansas's Elite Eight team two years ago in 2021, the first Arkansas Elite Eight team that ironically lost to Baylor in the Elite Eight. You know who was on that Baylor bench was Jerome Tang. And so I bring it up because just to say Kansas state's one of the best stories in college basketball, if not the best 16 and two overall five and one in big 12 play. And here's the scary part for the rest of the big 12. First of all, that octagon of doom, the the Kansas state venue, it's as good as any in college basketball. Um, And it ain't slowing down anytime soon. Now the schedule doesn't get any easier because the big 12 is a bear. They still have to play at Iowa state at Kansas Uh, They do get Texas TCU at home, but it ain't going to get any easier from here for Kansas State. But I look at this Kansas State team, and I think, look, everything is in front of them in terms of what they could potentially accomplish. Would it shock me? I don't think they're going to win the Big 12, but would it totally shock me? I don't think so. Finally, what I would say about them is that what was scary about Tuesday night in specific was that maybe their best player, Marquise Noel, really didn't do all that much. Marquise Noel, a, a, a guy who came into this game, by the way, he had back-to-back 30-point games a few ga- a few weeks ago, averaging 17 points, eight and a half assists per game. In this game, Kansas actually did a really good job of shutting him down. He finished with 4.7 assists. So Kansas State gets the win at home. I don't think they played anything close to their best in this game, and they get the victory. Uh, one more thought on Kansas State. And that was, again, I kind of opened with why I love Jerome Tang and the attitude that he's brought to Kansas State. 
I'll close with this. If you have not seen his post-game speech on the court after his fans rushed the court, it's unbelievable. And he basically said the exact same thing. We don't boo those guys. We cheer our guys really loud. This program is about us, not who is coming into the building. We don't change our attitude in this building based on who else is in here. And then he also said this. He said, we get one court storm. He said, this is it because from now on, we expect to win these kinds of games. I absolutely loved it. Congrats to Kansas State. And from the Kansas perspective, let me say this, man. Bill Self is a dog, dude. Bill Self is a beast. And you walk into that environment, they were down double figures in the first half, and this dude, you just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, fighting back, fighting back, fighting back. And all of a sudden, you're in position to win this game. From the Kansas perspective, Jalen Wilson, their star forward, I thought maybe had one of the best performances that I had seen in college basketball this year, at least until later on Tuesday night when Oscar Shibway took the court. 38 points for Jalen Wilson. There was actually a moment where Bill Self called a timeout late in the game. He hit an open shot that may have cost Kansas the game. Bill Self talked about it after the game. But I look at this Kansas team, and I actually came away more impressed with Kansas than concerned. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year after last year's national championship. They lost Ochai Abaji, Christian Brown. They lost David McCormick, uh, Remy Martin too, by the way, four of their top six guys. And they come back, and they are just as good as ever, and they do it in a game where kid K.J. Adams, who's been really good for them, fouls out. Kevin McCuller, who's been really good, is f- fouls out. Uh, Grady Dick eventually did foul out as well. And oh, by the way, on top of that, um, you had a scenario where Dewan Harris, their star point guard, had to leave the game with what looked like a head injury for a little bit before he came back. So from the Kansas perspective, I'll tell you this. We're going to do our uh, midseason All-Americans at Aaron Torres Online here in the next couple days. Jalen Wilson is a first-team All-American, 38 points for Kansas. I actually feel better about Kansas after Tuesday night, more so than I was worried. Let's keep it going, and let's get to the other big game on Tuesday night. We we didn't think it was going to be a big game. Georgia at Kentucky, and it's funny, right, because Kentucky played Tennessee over the weekend. Kentucky gets the win in Knoxville. And I'll be honest, I had a couple people say, oh, Torres, you didn't even talk about Kentucky on the last show. And what I said was, you know, I don't want to be the guy that overreacts to every single result with Kentucky. Now, listen, if you have a three, four game losing streak, if you lose three out of four, like they did against South Carolina at this time last week, then I got to talk about you. But I tried to be calm. I try not to do too much. I try to do the Kentucky's back. They figured it all out after they beat Tennessee. What you could tell, I hate to say it, But Severe Wheeler, their starting point guard, was out with injury against Tennessee. The offense looked much better. It's something Kentucky fans have been calling for. It's something that I've called for on this show. But I bring it up because I said, you know, let's wait a few more games before we go overboard with Kentucky. Well, Kentucky did take the court again on Tuesday night at home at Rupp Arena. They beat Georgia 85-71. to But that's not really the story. The story is this. Kentucky, first of all, trailed by eight at the half. They scored 51 points in the second half, which is crazy because it was just a few weeks ago that they scored 53 against UCLA. It was just a few weeks ago that they scored 52 against Alabama. And so I bring it up. They scored 51 in the second half. But what the story is, 
is none other than Oscar Sheepway. And it was funny, right? Because again, again, Jamie and Christian, Division One head coach, he is part of the Aaron Torres media family now. Uh, he coached at Mount St. Mary's, he coached at Siena, he coached at George Washington. He's going to be on the show Friday. But I asked him about three or four days ago, I said, what's up with Oscar Sheepway? It felt like every game last year, the guy was going for 20 and 20, 20 and 18, 28 and 21, 28 and 17. Like he just put up these absurd stat lines. And it's felt like this year there's been something not quite right. And apparently John Calipari feels the same way because this week he called out Oscar Sheepway as well. Said, you're not spending as much time in the gym as you used to. And so I bring it up because of this. Did you see Oscar Sheepway's stat line on Tuesday night? Against the Georgia Bulldogs, Oscar Sheepway. This sounds made up. Oscar Sheepway finished with 37 points and 24 rebounds. Georgia had 31 rebounds as a team. Oscar Sheepway had 24 rebounds. And so, again, you don't want to overreact to Kentucky. Great win on the road against Tennessee. Really solid win against a good Georgia team that's improving under Mike White at home. The story of the night uh, was Oscar Sheepway, 37 and 24. I think beyond that, the story of the game is this. Kentucky has figured out their rotations and Kentucky has figured out who plays well together. And the one thing I will say, and I hate to pick on any individual kid, but I bring it up because there's a saying in sports, the best of it, the best ability is availability. And there is a famous story about Wally Pip. If you do not know the name, you can Google it, but he was the guy that was the Yankees starting first baseman until he took a day off. And then Lou Gehrig came in. And then Lou Gehrig played like 14 years straight and never missed a game. Severe Wheeler may have had his Wally Pitt moment because for weeks now, Kentucky fans have been saying that, look, Severe, nice kid, works hard, plays hard, no, no disrespect. But that the team may be better with him in a reserve role coming off the bench. And John Calipari, I think to his credit, listen, I know everybody wants to crush Cal on everything. I don't think there was an easy way to have a fourth-year junior Move to the bench, even if you knew he was the best guy. Well, he's out versus Tennessee. The ten- the Kentucky offense looks awesome. And on because of it, on Tuesday night when Severe Wheeler came back, they brought him off the bench. They brought him off the bench. He did play some minutes, finished with three assists, zero points. But it's clear now what, what, what Kentucky has to do to win ball games in the SEC. They know what their lineups are. They know who their best guys are. And they know who plays well together. The starting lineup that they had from an analytics standpoint, and you guys and girls know I'm not a huge analytics guy, but the starting five that they had, Kaysen Wallace, C.J. Frederick, Oscar Sheebway, Chris Livingston, Jacob Toppin, that works well together. And you could argue that it's even better when Antonio Reeves, who had 11 points off the bench, plays in place of Chris Livingston. The point is, most Kentucky fans feel like the team is better with Kaysen Wallace as its point guard. And after the last two games, it is hard to argue against that. And so from the Kentucky perspective, I don't want to say that the season is saved. You got to keep winning games. You're 12 and six overall, three and three in the SEC. But if they play, they scored 85 points on Tuesday night. And if they play on offense the way that they did this evening on Tuesday night, they're going to have a lot of success against a lot of teams in this conference. You look at this league, Alabama's really good. You get past Alabama, there's a lot of question marks in this league. 
there's a lot of stuff that's up in the air. Arkansas right now is still trying to figure it out. Missouri, as I record, is on a three-game losing streak after beating Kentucky. Um, or, you know, they beat Kentucky and they uh, they beat, uh, I can't remember who else. They, 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 they won their first two, they lost their last three. They play Arkansas on Wednesday. Um, Tennessee is really talented defensively. I'm not sold on them offensively. Mississippi State's falling apart. LSU's falling apart. Ole Miss is bad. South Carolina's bad. I bring it up to say there are a lot of wins to be had in the SEC if they can continue to play like they have. So I don't want to overdo it. But congrats to Kentucky. Two wins in a row. This looks like the team that we started. It's st- th- that we expected. It starts with a motivated, hungry Oscar Shibway but it really starts with this lineup that is in place for the Kentucky Wildcats. And we'll see what happens from here. Kentucky going forward, they get a really good Texas A&M team. I know I just said that Alabama's the class of the league. I should note Texas A&M going into tonight, going into Wednesday night, A&M is 4-0 in league play, playing really well. So I want to give the Aggies credit. This was a team that almost won the SEC tournament last year, playing their best basketball right now. So that's going to be a good litmus test for Texas A&M and Kentucky on Saturday at Rupp Arena, 2 p.m. Eastern. Then Kentucky's got a tough game at Vandy, and then they get tennis at Kansas at home. Interesting stretch for Kentucky, but like I said, there really are a lot of wins to be had left in this league. All right, I think that's it for today's episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. I do think it's time for me to get out of here. Fun show. We covered a lot of ground. If you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube as well, the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel. We're closing in on 20K. If you're not subscribed, be a friend, share the show, tell some friends, be part of everything that we are doing. This show is blowing up. With that said, it is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening. If you're not subscribed, make sure to do so. Make sure you're following on social media. And oh, by the way, leave a rating and review. It really would help. But I think it's time for me to get out of here. So with that said, it's time for me to go. I appreciate your guys and girls support. And I will be back on Friday. Shout out to Thorncrain. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F-head unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday. New episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.